Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Well, we're looking at the issue of Gaza and uh, the situation affecting the people there, both Arabs and Jews and everybody living in that part of the world. It's being described as an open-air prison. Joining us now is Professor Ari Zavatsky, who is a professor of neuroscience at the Balan University. Professor, good afternoon to you, and thank you for joining us. Hi, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Professor, once again, and thank you for taking the time to uh, join us to discuss this issue about uh, the atmosphere prevailing and uh, the general feel and look uh, that we one finds in the Gaza Strip at the moment. As I mentioned, it's being described, uh, it's being described something tantamount to an open air prison. What exactly have people there been subjected to? So it's um, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. The Gaza Strip has an interesting history, right? And that really the people there are people who nobody wants. I mean, if we go back to 1948 when the state of Israel was founded, yes, Gaza had fallen under the control of Egypt. And you might think um, Egypt at the time controlled Egypt, Sinai, Gaza Strip. They were just part of the Arab world. But Egypt absolutely wanted to have nothing to do with the people of Gaza. Right. They kept them separate. They kept a tight border. The residents of Gaza were not permitted to become Egyptian citizens. So they were really um, a people with no home. Nobody wanted them. And they had nothing to do with Israel. And that's what's very important. The people of Gaza have suffered. They've really been stateless and homeless But it's not because of Israel. After the 1948 war, until 1967, Gaza was under the full authority of Egypt, who didn't want them. After 1967, yes, I'm sorry. Sorry, Professor, sorry. There was just a bit of a break there. I think we're having a bit of a delayed line, but do carry on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry about that, Professor. Do carry on. Well, listen, I just wanted to say, before we even started, you know, we were right into this conversation and the first thing I wanted to say is before we started talking about Gaza, mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk about South Africa for one second. I just wanted to wish you guys a Mazel Tov. From what I understand, um, you won the Rugby World Cup very recently. Yes, we did. We we won that on Saturday right. night, uh, Professor, indeed, for the yeah. fourth time. We're the yeah. first nation to win really? the World right. Cup uh, four, four, uh, four on four occasions. So, yes, it's been a... It's, it's, wow. uh, it's a highly momentous, uh, shall we say, sporting uh, achievement. Uh, they are arriving back tomorrow morning at about, say, 5 to 11 at Oratumbo International. And, uh, yes, uh, there are many, uh, shall we say, parades being uh, organized, uh, victory parades, that is. And, uh, yeah, indeed, it's really uplifted the spirits of South Africa at the moment. And so we certainly do need, uh, you know, something morale-boosting at this time. But thank you, Professor, on behalf of South Yes, on behalf of the country. Yeah, we are indeed yeah, elated no. by this achievement. <laughs> Right. We know nothing about rugby here in Israel, but I've seen that in the news. Just well, wanted to. Uh... There you go. Well, now you know. It's uh, we are the world champions once again. That's now we've won it twice in a row now, but four times overall. Wow. Um, anyway, yes. So back to to Gaza. So yes, I mentioned they were really homeless and stateless, and nobody wanted them uh, when Egypt ruled. Um, after 1967, Israel actually um, didn't annex it. They were not Israeli citizens, but Israel tried very hard in order to improve the conditions there. Right. And there was a booming economy for over a decade in Gaza, with Gazans able to work in Israel. Um, there was much more 
uh, of an open border. There was no border fence as there is today, or right. there was until they they it in many places. Um, and for a while, now again, I don't want to pretend that life was, uh, you know, it wasn't Switzerland over there. They were, um, you know, stateless in that they weren't residents of Egypt or of Israel, but life wasn't so bad for them. And really the worst periods for the Gazan residents have been when they were under Egypt, and now in the last 15 years when they've been ruled by Hamas. Yes. So and now, so, sorry to come in there, Professor. So with Hamas now uh, entering the political spectrum, uh, would you say now, because of that, uh, shall we say, that unclear status that Gaza's got, they're taking full advantage of this and just running right and just, you know, like uh, doing as they please and taking advantage well, of, uh, well, should we say non-democratic <laughs> situations now? Yeah, they, well, Hamas won the election that they had. I have no idea how open an election it was, but they won the election in 2006. Uh, they won a plurality. And they then consolidated power. It involves killing about 600 people at the time. Wow. And then Hamas ruled Gaza with an iron fist. They controlled every aspect of it, from education to media to the healthcare. Um, Hamas was the sole authority, and there's been no election since, obviously. Indeed. And they were the sole authority in Gaza. So, Professor, if you can just look at the composition of Gaza, the majority of the majority of the peoples, who are they right now? Who are they right now? Or what is that? What is that exact composition of the Gaza population? So, well, what's, first of all, I mean, you're asking about origins, but I think one of the important things mm-hmm. is the breakdown in terms of age. It's among okay. the youngest places in the world. Right. They have been very successful at reproducing. They marry young, they make a lot of children, and because the healthcare has been fairly good, um, most... Sorry, Professor, carry on. Carry on, Professor. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Most of those children survive, actually, and it's a very, very young population. I don't remember the exact number, but it's among the, in terms of percentage below the age of 20, uh, and percentage above the age of 65, they are on the extremes in the world, in both of those. They have almost nobody over 65 and a very big percentage under 15 or under 20. Indeed. So, Professor, um, so what actually is making this place an open-air prison, exactly? Or what What are they being subjected to? What, what are their, their harsh realities? Well, when that phrase is used, it's usually used uh, to incriminate Israel and to say that Israel is uh, besieging it. First of all, it's important to realize that Israel controls only two of the three sides. One side is the, the ocean. Israel controls the north and the eastern border. The southern border is controlled by Egypt. Right. So it would be impossible for Israel to single-handedly impose a blockade on mm. Gaza. Um, and so the only real blockade is that that's being done internally, meaning Hamas is the ones controlling what comes in, what goes out. Um, until the war started, if there was a shortage of something, it was solely on Hamas's head. Indeed. I mean, there's a joke going around Israel that there's a complaint that there's supposedly, you know, supposedly shortage of food or water or medicine. Um, there doesn't see, seem to be any shortage of rockets. We again <laughs> today had a, a rocket barrage at Jerusalem. 
Professor, sorry, Professor, I'm going to have to cut you short there. I'm so sorry. I wish we could have continued the conversation because it really looks as if we needed just to unpack a few things, but we have run out of time. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon just to give us some background into what Gaza is going through and the inhabit- her inhabitants and what exactly is making Gaza what is being termed an open-air prison. Professor Arya Zavotsky, Professor of Neuroscience at the Balon University.